Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. My name is Terry, and uh, it's a joy to be able to be one of the pastors here at Ocean View. And if it's your first time, we just welcome you. We're really excited that you're here. Um, God is at work here doing incredible things within this church. And, uh, you know, uh, I was sitting there worshiping with you, and um, I was thinking to myself, you know, what what makes uh, a time of worship so special? And it's not necessarily um, the words of a song. It's not necessarily um, the artists that are singing it. Um, it's knowing that God is here and that God is moving and he is around this place. And when a people can sense and feel and know that he is on the throne and he is victorious and that he knows everything that's going to happen uh, today, tomorrow, and we can rest as his people worshiping him, that's what makes worship so amazing. Sorry, I get emotional when I talk. I'm Italian. So anyway, all right, got to pull it together. Um, again, I'm really excited that you're here, and, and I want to give you a preview of what's to come before we kind of jump in. Today is a special day, uh, Communion Sunday, and we're going to celebrate something that we call Holy Communion. It's uh, an ordinance. It's a sacrament, uh, depending on which denomination you grew up with, and we're going to celebrate that in just a few moments. Um, but I wanted to give you a heads up to the next three weeks, because we start a brand new series next week called This Is My story. And, um, and I don't know um, if we've really touched on this in my time here, um, but did you know that God has a plan for your life? And we've, I've said that many times, but God works his plan through your life in what we call stories. And uh, God has a story that he's writing in your life. And here's the thing. Many of us, we don't like our stories. We don't like our past. In fact, we want to forget our stories. And here's what I think God really wants us to do. And we're going to unpack this the next week. I think God wants us to embrace our stories because our stories of our past is what makes us in the present. And isn't it true that God uses even the worst and darkest of moments in our life to form who we are today and how others perceive us? And so we're going to talk about what it means to own your story over the next three weeks. We're actually going to challenge you to not only own your story, but to write your story. And you'll see in the foyer in the next three weeks places where you'll be able to hang your story as an encouragement, as a testimony to what God is doing in your life and as an encouragement to others. So I'm really, really excited to be helping to lead this time for the next three weeks. Um, if you don't even know your story, don't know how to share your story, um, I encourage you to come back. We're going to have a really, really great time. Now, with that being said, I'm a teacher by trade and I'm a history major, I'm a geek, um, I hate to say it. And I love history. And if you don't like history, then feel free to take a nap for 15 minutes. We'll wake you up when the trays come by. We'll bump you with it and you'll, you'll get it. But there's a lot of things in Christianity that if you're not a Christian in this room, you've always just kind of heard and you don't understand. Or if you are a Christian, you've heard and you've nodded and said amen. And you really don't have any clue what it means. And so uh, as I've prepared for this Communion Sunday, um, you can imagine as a pastor, we celebrate communion four to six times in a given year. And I've been here for six years. And so that's a whole lot of communion. And when you talk about communion, there's a lot of scripture that ties into it. And as a pastor, um, over time, you, you know, well, I taught that, I, I touched on that, I, I, I hit that. And, and I was in my office saying, God, um, I really need a refresher here. I really need something new here from, for communion because it's, it's been a lot. And God gave me something incredible that I want to share with you. Because in Christianity, have you ever heard the term the lion? 
the Lion of Judah. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard the term the Lamb of God? Now, I could probably bet if I gave you a test and I handed it out and I said, all right, I want you to write a paragraph explaining what the Lamb of God means. I think a lot of you would be able to articulate in some fashion what the Lamb of God means, but we're going to explain it anyway today. However, I can pretty much venture to say that if I were to say, can you explain what the Lion of Judah means with regards to Christianity and Jesus Christ? I can venture to say many of you, you've said, yes, the Lion of Judah, amen, and you have no idea what that means. So today we're going to unpack that because here's the, here's the good news. Did you know that the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God have a lot to do with communion? In fact, there's a symbol in this room that has so much to it, and we see it every single Sunday that we come here, and we have no idea what it means, but we're going to share it with you. So with that being said, we're going to unpack the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. In order to do that, we find ourselves in the upper room. I went to Israel years ago, and I was in the upper room, the possible location of the upper room. And here's Jesus in this possible upper room, and he is going to be talking to his disciples. And an argument is going to break out, and it really frames our discussion for today. This is Luke chapter 22, verse 24 through 30. It says, Then they, the disciples, began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them this, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it'll be different. See, because those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes. Of Israel. There's a whole lot there, isn't there? One of the things that we say, and we're going we're gonna to focus on and un- unpack it all, is that Jesus said, but you're, you're invited to my table. And together, we're going to sit on thrones, and we're going to judge, and we're going to rule the 12 tribes of Israel. Did you know that that has a lot of significance? And we're going to unpack it now. There's a guy by the name of Jacob. If you, and again, if you're not a Christian, just trust me in this. A guy that, Jacob, he's one of the fathers of faith. He's amazing stories, and we don't have time to unpack that. But Jacob had a lot of kids. And his fourth son, his name was Judah. And we had 12 tribes of Israel, and Judah was one of those tribes. And so as Jacob was speaking into Judah, He had a conversation with him and he's going to prophesy. He's going to tell of something in the future that is going to happen within the tribe of Judah. And I want you to see this because it ties back to what we're talking about today. This is Genesis. This is the first book of the Bible, chapter 49, verse 9 through 10. And this is Jacob talking about Judah to his fourth son. He says, Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? Don't miss this. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. If you look throughout Christianity, you will see symbols. In Jewish history, you'll see symbols like this, the Lion of Judah. The thing that I love about this is that what Jacob is prophesying is is there will be one, namely Jesus Christ, 
who is a descendant of the tribe of Judah. And he, being Jesus, is going to rule. And he's going to rule all the nations. At his table, the kingdoms will bow. He will be the leader, the lion. So the lion of Judah is Jesus Christ. Ultimately, he becomes that ruler. The scepter will not depart from his hand. And so isn't it great to know today and throughout Christian history that the Lion of Judah speaks to Jesus Christ and that he will rule. Here's what that means for us practically. If you're having a really, really bad day, if you're a Christian and you're losing hope, if you're not a Christian and you wonder, is this world going crazy? Here's the good news for you and I. The Lion of Judah is on the throne and he still rules today. And all of the kingdoms will bow Because the scepter will not depart from his hand. He is strong. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is the Lion of Judah. But here's the great thing about Jesus Christ. And this is what really, really just has changed my life the last 10 years of my leadership because I've really leaned in more on on this. Because Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I come not as a, a king of the earth. I come as a humble what? Servant. And I like to call him my savior servant. Because Jesus Christ, who is God, humbled himself and washed his disciples' dirty, despicable feet. And he went through and allowed himself to be beaten within an inch of his life. He allowed him, his deity, his godness to be nailed to a cross, to be mocked, to be spit at, to be laughed at, to be humiliated in front of his creation. He humbled himself that much because that's what a true leader does. You know, I come out here every single Sunday and a lot of people have asked me, you know, Terry, why don't you introduce yourself as the lead pastor of the church? You come out every Sunday and you say, hi, I'm Terry. I'm one of the pastors. And I'll tell you the reason why I do that is because of that passage of scripture. Because here's the truth. There's no difference between me and you. The only difference between me and you is that God radically called me into the ministry. I didn't want it. I didn't want to do it. And God radically called me into ministry. And if you want to ask me about that story, I'll tell you at another time. But that's the only difference between you and me. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. And I am to serve as a humble servant because my God humbled himself before me as his creation. And what kind of pastor would I be to lord over my position over people? So if you're a boss or a manager or a dad, if you really want to be a leader, you take on the role of a humble servant. And that's where we get what is called the lamb of God. Because Jesus took on what is meant to be the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. He humbled himself like this animal that was sacrificed for sin. You see, it has a lot of hidden meaning to it. In fact, we see John the Baptist recognize Jesus first on the earth as what he came for. I don't want you to miss this. John chapter 129, take a look. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love this because here, John says, Look, the Lamb of God. And now we all kind of getting it and putting it together. Okay, the Lamb of God, the humble servant. He's, he's meek like a sheep. Yes, but don't separate the fact that the Lamb of God was here to be the savior of the world. Because what did a lamb do? A lamb was sacrificed to cover our sin. But Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, he freely gave himself up so that when his blood was shed, it didn't just cover sin for a moment, it covered sin for the rest of eternity. And so when you think of the lamb of God, the lamb of God had one purpose. That lamb of God saved us, shed its blood so that we can have eternity with him. So there's the Lion of Judah 
and the Lamb of God. Now, here's the great thing. I want you to take a look at this window right up here, this stained glass window. Do you see that lamb? What's that lamb wearing? A victory crown. And to the left of that lamb, you see a banner. Look at the screen here. This is a picture of the Lamb of God holding a victory banner. Why do we have in stained glass windows in our church? And by the way, I didn't even realize we had that there until one of our members said, Terry, do you know that we have that same picture? And I go, wow. So I looked and said, yep, there it is. But in churches all around, you'll find a stained glass window. Why is this important? I want to bring you to Psalm chapter 20, verse 5. Take a look at this. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all our prayers. The Lion of Judah who will rule and is continuing to rule with strength and the Lamb of God who died for our sins. Now, here's where it gets really cool. If you were sleeping, you need to wake up. I've been to Israel four times. And the first time, I went to this upper room. And when I was at this upper room, our tour guide, he said this. He said, this is a possible location of the upper room. We're not saying probable because we're not sure because it's built in the city and we can't excavate anymore because we'll obviously destroy a lot of homes and other things. If we could just look underneath the layers, we'd be able to tell if this is the location. I said, well, tell me how you'd be able to tell. He goes, well, this church that is here, and by the way, they put churches in Israel for a purpose, to cover sacred locations. And the reason why is when wars would break out, especially in times of civility, Raiding armies would not touch places of worship. They feared gods, and they didn't want to touch those things. So they would build churches over some of the most sacred places in history and that are still existing today. So the crusaders built this church that is there today. He says, if we could just get underneath to see below it to the older history, we could tell if it's sacred. Well, they haven't been able to do that until a few months ago. And if you actually Google and look at the news in Israel, the archaeologists have used a new technology with sonar technology to be able to look underneath the layers to be able to depict what was underneath. And you know what they found? They found a Byzantine church. And a Byzantine church would indicate that this site was holy. So rather just being word of mouth in a crusader church, now they have a Byzantine church from far back in history, which would prove that it's there to be able to cover a sacred site. Most people believe that this is the location of the upper room, but it gets better because I want to show you a picture of what they found just recently. Take a look up here. This is a keystone. The keystone is a place up in the upper rafters. It holds a prominent position within archaeological finds. And do you know what they found on both keystones of this upper room? This first one that you're looking at, I believe, is a picture of a lamb, a lamb with a banner. And they found that picture, that icon, which signifies the Lamb of God, which was interesting. But did you know what they found on the other one? They found a lion depicting the Lion of Judah. And so here they find in the upper room the Lion of Judah who rules over the kingdoms, who stood with his disciples and said, one day you will be with me and we will rule the nations of the world. But in that same room, Jesus Christ broke bread and foretold of him humbling himself like a savior servant, being beaten down to be the savior and defeater of sin and the savior of the world. What I love is at the end of scripture, it actually speaks to this. And the last book 
In fact, one of our faithful leaders, Steve, is teaching on Wednesday nights in the book of Revelation. It says this in Revelation 5, 5. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a powerful God who humbled himself for you and me so that we could have the victory? And today that's what we celebrate in what we call Holy Communion. Now here's what communion is. Communion is a family meal. It means that what we're about to do, we believe in. And we believe long ago that Jesus sat and told us to do this in remembrance of him. And so in just a moment, our deacons, our servant leaders are going to come and they're going to pass some trays before you. And as the tray comes, I'll ask you to grab the juice and grab the cracker. And I'm going to ask you to hold it. And at the end, we're going to receive communion together. But here's what I would challenge you. Maybe you're in this room today and maybe if I were to say you were to die today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you'd go to heaven? And maybe today you would say, Terry, I don't know the answer to that question. And if that's you, here's what I know specifically that has been told. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you believe that he's God, then that's his words. And if you believe in his words, you believe their truth. And so it's time to stop fighting. It's time to stop holding on. It's time to take a step of faith and a trust. And if you're here today and you've not done that, in just a second, I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray two things. Number one, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you want to do that, there's no pressure. You just humbly in your heart pray that prayer. And then for all of us in this room, it's really important. Like my grandmother used to tell me, my Italian grandmother on Sunday afternoons for pasta with some gravy. If you're Italian, you know what I mean. I used to come down to the table and she says, did you wash your hands? I'd run up, turn the water on, turn the water off, come back downstairs. And she said, now use soap. So in this room today, I'm going to lead us in a prayer asking God to search our hearts. And today, before we come to the table, it's important for us to be able to bear any sin that we know we have and to say and ask for forgiveness so we can come to the table with clean hands. Would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of joining together for this sacrament, this ordinance. And it comes from you that we're to do this to remember what you've done for us. So God, as believers in this room, we right now humble ourselves and say, God, search our hearts. And God, right now, if there is sin in our hearts, right now we confess it to you. And it's not about saying, I'm sorry. It's about asking you to forgive us. And and God, if you forgive us, then we're going to be faithful to turn and go the other direction. God, thank you so much today that my sin is cast as far as the east is from the west and that I can come to the table with clean hands. And today, Lord, if I'm in this room and right now for those that are in this room and say, Terry, I want Jesus. I want to transfer my trust from me to him. Then I just lead you in a simple prayer and would ask you to pray this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've not led the right way. I've not made wise decisions and I've run from you. But God, today I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I want you to catch me. I confess that you're Lord and Savior. I want to transfer my trust from me to you. So God, forgive me of my sin. I don't know how you can, but 
I trust that you can. And Lord, I promise to learn more about who you are so that I can begin taking steps in the right direction the way that you would call me to. God, thank you that today, because I've just prayed that simple prayer, that heaven is a free gift, and that is all I need to do to be able to enter into eternity. So God, thank you for that gift. And right now, Lord, I just ask your blessing in this room as we remember your amazing sacrifice. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.